David was a beautiful combination of velvet and steel. He was steel on the battlefield. He was brave. He was a warrior. He was the shepherd king and the shepherd warrior. But he also was kind. And here's where he reflects our great King Jesus. He wanted to be benevolent. And he reached out in kindness in Hesed to a man, a crippled man named Mephibosheth. We'll learn more about this beautiful story and how we have been reached out to by Jesus Christ. We are Mephibosheth and he has touched us and raised us up to hope. We'll learn more about that beautiful picture today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Now, I want to show you Psalm 60. If you turn to your right for a second, Psalm 60. This is a recapturing of some of the battles that David faced, and specifically what we just read about. I want you to see the nature of the struggle Uh, Don't have in your mind that David just walked into these places and won battles without struggles and casualties and difficulties. See the heading of Psalm 60. It says, For the choir director, according to Shushan Eduth, a mictum of David to teach when he struggled with Aram Nahrim and with Aram Zobah. And Joab returned and smote 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. Now, it would appear that as David was battling another group in the north, he was attacked from the south. And here's what Psalm 60 says. O God, thou hast rejected us. Thou hast broken us. Thou hast become angry. O restore us. Thou hast made the land quake. Thou hast split it open. Heal its breaches, for it totters. Thou hast made thy people experience hardship. Thou hast given us wine to drink that makes us stagger. Thou hast given a banner to those who fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah, that means pause. Think about it. That thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. I will exult. I will portion out Shechem. Measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, verse 7, and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbowl. Over Edom I shall throw my shoe. Shout loud, O Philistia, because of me. Who will bring me into the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? Has not thou thyself, O God, rejected us? Will thou not go forth with our armies, O God? O give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we shall do valiantly. And it is he who will tread down our adversaries. Turn back to 2 Samuel. So you can see the struggle as David records um, things that they went through as a nation. I will say this to you. The chains of justice sometimes grind slowly. Each of these nations attacked Israel, some of them on multiple occasions. And what happened was, finally God says, we're going to remember what Amalek did to the stragglers when we we're going out of Egypt. We're going to remember what Moab did when the uh, king tried to curse Israel and tried to get Balaam to curse them. We're going to remember what Edom did. We're going to remember. And just because the, the justice is not poured out immediately on a person or on a nation, God is like an elephant. He never forgets. Now, he does choose to forget our sins and our iniquities when we what? 
trust in Jesus. He remembers them no more. Now, God doesn't unlearn things, but he chooses not to hold them against us. And so David, 2 Samuel 8, 15, reigned over all Israel. David administered justice and righteousness, something that we see in Revelation that Jesus does for all his people. This is when David now is finally realizing the peace on all sides. It was not without a struggle. And quickly, here's his cabinet. Joab, verse 16, the son of Zuariah, was over the army. We've seen Joab before. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahulud, was the recorder, likely a person of high rank. Zadok, 17, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, I didn't practice these names, I should have this week, were priests. And that guy, also known as Shiva, was the secretary. And Benaiah, which means the Lord builds or the Lord prevails, the son of Jehoiada was over the Cherethites and Pelethites. They may have been bodyguards for David. And David's sons were chief ministers. Some of them say priests, unlikely. They were probably more chief ministers. The conquering leader, the one who administers justice and righteousness. One day he will rule with a rod of iron. What does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. This is, this is how God is. He loves justice, but he also loves loving kindness and mercy. And we're going to see now in chapter 9, the loving kindness and mercy of King David. So let's pick it up. 2 Samuel 9, look at verse 1. Then David said, is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? That's the Hebrew word hased. We've seen that many times in Hosea and in this book. For Jonathan's sake, is there anyone that I could be kind to for the sake of Jonathan? The word hased, kindness there, means mercy and protection. It speaks of loyal love, of a covenant. It refers, one writer says, to extraordinary acts of kindness, meeting an extreme need outside the normal run of perceived duty, arising from personal affection or pure goodness. The relationship between Jonathan and David was one of brotherly kindness. In fact, they had made a covenant with one another. 2 Peter 1, verse 7 says, In your godliness, brotherly kindness. In your brotherly kindness, love. If you have these qualities, if they're yours and increasing... They render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Are you kind? Would it be said of you that you're a kind person? Kindness, by the way, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Goodness, kindness. And when you are kind to someone, it often becomes a doorway for the gospel. You just show somebody kindness, and they say, why did you do that for me? What's, what's your motive? And you just say, I have no motive other than to show you kindness and the kindness that I've realized in Jesus. So the question comes from the king. When the king asks the question, everybody's listening, right? Who can we show kindness to? Is there anybody left, right? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul, verse 2, whose name was Zebra. He was an ancient referee uh, for football. Oh, it's not Zebra. I'm sorry. It's Zeba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Zeba? And he said, I am your servant. 
So all of a sudden, this man, Ziba, is found and called in. Notice in verse 2, he's a servant of the house of Saul. Many believe he was an estate manager for Saul. Saul, of course, is dead. And the king said, is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Notice, I want to show them God's kindness. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Now, if you remember in chapter 4, we got the backstory of a young man named Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth may mean uh, breath of shame or shameful breath. So try not to call anybody Mephibosheth around you because, or offer them a tic-tac if you, anyway. And so he says, yeah, there is someone and he's a son of Jonathan. Jonathan died in that battle as well. And he's crippled in both his feet. And here's the backstory. When the word came that Saul and Jonathan and Saul's sons were killed on the battlefield, the nurse for Mephibosheth, and he was five years old at the time, heard the news and thought that whoever had conquered the king and his sons would come to kill the remaining son. So she quickly tried to run out of the house with Mephibosheth and she dropped him and he became, remember, lame in both of his feet. He was disabled. And so it would appear that from this time, when he was five until now, he's now 21 years old. He has his own son, and he's probably been in hiding this whole time. Remember, he was only five when Jonathan perished and Saul perished. Grandpa would have told really bad stories about David because Grandpa was jealous of David and wanted to kill him. Jonathan would have told really positive state, uh, stories about David. But remember, when they die, Mephibosheth is five. How much do you remember from when you were five. Now, some of you have recollections from when you were two. I don't know how you do that. I was in my crib, and there was the little dangly animals going around and around, and I was... Blah, blah, blah. I don't have any memories like that. How many of you have a memory from when you were five? Oh, my goodness. You, you guys are smart. Anyway, so you might have some selective memories. I don't know that Mephibosheth had anything but maybe some mental images. I don't know if he remembered anything. I don't know what he knew about David, but David had become the king of the nation. What do you think he might have been thinking? I need to stay in hiding because usually when kings rose to the throne, they got rid of all claimants to the throne. And so he was likely in hiding. He was crippled. And the king said to him, to Ziba, where is he? And Ziba, who probably was supposed to be protecting him, said to the king, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Emiel, in Lodabar. By the way, Lodabar, end of verse four, means a barren, empty, and lifeless place. He's out in this place called Lodabar, and uh, he exposes his location. King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Emiel, from Lodabar. Now, here you are, you're crippled Mephibosheth. You've probably been in hiding from King David. You know how ancient dynasties used to deal with any potential uh, you know, person who could, could be an adversary of the throne. And all of a sudden, they come and pick you up to bring you to King David to stand before the king. I don't know how long the ride was, but I'm sure it was a bumpy and nervous ride because he didn't know what to expect. And we do know that David was a warrior. 
And David was not afraid to take care of business when he needed to, and so here he comes. This location of Lodabar may be near a place we've looked at in the past called Mahane. Hey folks, I've been telling you about different ways that you can connect with Walk in Truth, and one of the ways you can do it through modern technology is download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll have access to all kinds of cool resources, including one thing I'm going to highlight today, which is a devotional. It's a video devotion I've done on, will God give you any more than you can handle? Question mark. I'm sure you've had that question. It's a five minute video devotion. It'll bless you. You can refer friends to it and hopefully it'll help you with your walk. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and check out the devotion today. God bless you. Any potential, uh, you know, person who could, could be an adversary of the throne, and all of a sudden they come and pick you up to bring you to King David to stand before the king. I don't know how long the ride was, but I'm sure it was a bumpy and nervous ride because he didn't know what to expect. And we do know that David was a warrior, and David was not afraid to take care of business when he needed to, and so here he comes. This location of Lodabar may be near a place we've looked at in the past called Mahanaim, on the other side of the Jordan. And so he lived in a barren place. Some say it was a town of forgotten people, a place to just go and escape. And there he gets news that David is looking for him. He gets picked up in the stretch limo. There's some (laughs) characters with dark sunglasses on. The king wants to see you. And you go, okay, here we go. You know, in Luke 15, Jesus told three parables about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. Here's what he said. He said, what man among you, if he has 100 sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture? Go after the one which he has lost until he finds it. When he, found, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, verse 6, the son of Saul, Saul was his grandpa, came to David, and he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, Here is your servant. Now remember, he's a crippled man. What did it take for him to get on his face before the king? I'm sure it was difficult. Maybe he was in agony. But he was thinking, I'm going to get as low as I can get before the king because I don't know what's going to happen. And he prostrated himself before the king. And the king called him by name. He called him Mephibosheth. There he fell on his face the crippled, wondering what David was going to do. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Now you have to imagine Mephibosheth going, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, king. Can somebody help me up here, right? All of a sudden, David speaks words of kindness, eases his fears, and says, I'm going to show you kindness because of your dad. You see, some years ago, I made a covenant with your father, and I promised that I would do good 
to his kin. And I intend to make good on that promise. From a barren place and hiding, not knowing what to expect, here is Mephibosheth. And he prostrated himself again. And he said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Why are you having mercy on me? You know, in the ancient world, a dead dog was about the worst thing that you could come across. He said, I'm a dead dog. Don't even bother with me. And in the story of David, he even said something similar to Saul. Why are you bothering with a dead dog like me, like a, like a flea? And the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, all that belonged to Saul and to his house, I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring, verse 10, the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. By the way, that was a great privilege and honor. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. He wasn't hurting. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Uh, You see, David did not execute Mephibosheth. He adopted him. He didn't get rid of him. He brought him into his family because he had made a covenant. And you and I are in a covenant, a new covenant. But spiritually speaking, we are crippled. We're spiritually paralyzed. We're like dead dogs. We have shameful breath. You can add that in if you want to. Here's the picture of us without Christ under the judgment of God because of sin, because the wages of sin is death. And Luke 15 paints a picture of a God who searches the landscape to show kindness and benevolence to. And he says, I've got a lost coin or a lost sheep or a lost son, and I'm going to go get it. And the lost son, when he was coming home, thought, man, I'm going to tell my father, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just make me like one of your hired servants. But no, the father had been scanning the horizon for this son. And when he came, he put a robe on him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, killed the fatted calf and said, this son of mine was dead and he is what? Alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Jesus says, they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south and will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some who are last will be first and some who are first will be last. Do you know that one day you're going to be at God's table? One day you're going to be in the kingdom of God hanging out for some dinner with Moses, Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Daniel, Adam. Uh, We won't go there. Right, we all want to talk to Adam and Eve, just at least for five minutes, right? In a private corner somewhere. What were you thinking? You had it all. Anyway. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled. But he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Jesus says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repayment come to you. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Can I talk about you for a second? So this is Jamie, and uh, Jamie is a wonderful 
sister in Christ, spiritual daughter to me. And uh, this, just within this last week or so, we had to do another service for one of her siblings. And, and her household and her mom and dad have gone through some very difficult times. And here's what makes this very special is Larry and Michelle have opened up their home to many uh, disabled young people and adults. And this is what they do. It's really a ministry. And they adopted Jamie some years ago and others. And Jamie at um, the service for Brian was talking about how those adoption papers mean the world to these kids because, you know, sometimes they feel like they don't have a home and Larry and Michelle have given them a home. So Jamie bravely got up to speak at her brother's memorial service. And this is, I think, the third or fourth time that I've been out to do a service, third time. And uh, you bravely spoke. And I went up after Jamie and said these words. And she said, she told me the other night, she was a little shocked by what I said, but I told her that I said from the front that she's taught me more about what it means to follow the Lord than a lot of people that I've come across, perhaps most people, because she models faith from her chair and she has joy and she wants to follow Jesus. And uh, anyway, Jamie, we just want to say we love you. But it's not just Jamie, because there's Linda back there who models her faith, and there's Barb, and there's Lucy, and there's others. And I know you guys have physical challenges, uh, unlike what most of us could ever even know. But you guys teach us a lot about faith. And uh, we just wanted to honor you with that. Well, Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, 12. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. He now left Lodabar and he now is in Jerusalem living there where the king does. For he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both of his feet. I, I would be remiss also not to mention Jim, who's now gone home to be with the Lord, who was faithful to come to church through his physical struggles and uh, and many others. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see a spiritual picture. And as it is today, we are at a communion Sunday. So we're about all to come to the Lord's table. And we're going to partake of something that we do quite regularly as Christians. We come and we take a piece of matzah and we take some grape juice and we remember a king that was willing to give himself for us. And with all that this chapter is filled with, both the drama of war and the kindness and benevolence of a king, here's what we need to remember. The king of the universe, who David foreshadows, was willing to lay down his life for you and for me. In fact, the Bible says he died while we were yet enemies. He died when we were helpless. He laid down his life for people who were mocking him and crucifying him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So remember, that's the king that when you come to his table and you've come into a relationship with him, that's the king that you serve. A king full of hesed, full of loving kindness that the psalmist says is better than life. And instead of him pouring his wrath out on me and you, he took the wrath himself at the cross. And he 
took the nails, and it wasn't nails that held him to the cross, it was love that he has for you and for me. And so I know this, this section of the Bible can be kind of tough, but in the end, what we need to remember is that we have a king who is willing to lay down his life for you and for me. That's where he won the battle. And he says, the battle belongs to me. Rest yourself in me. Man, I look at my spiritual life before coming to Christ, feeble, without strength, helpless, in many ways, a dead dog. And Jesus came and got me. You know, I wasn't looking for Jesus when I first started hearing about the gospel. It seemed like Christians were looking for me. Can anybody relate to that? I started to meet Christians in different places. In fact, I was playing on a slow-pitch softball team filled with Christians. And they just kept inviting me to go to church. You got to come to church. You got to come to church. You got to come to church. See, Jesus came looking for me. And he is looking for you too. If you're a believer, you're already found. Praise God. And you stand in the victory. But if you don't know Jesus yet, May I encourage you, make sure you know him. I look around this room and I know most of you personally, at least on some level. But if there's anybody here, if you have any doubt about your salvation in Christ, make sure that you know him. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. You are good. Thank you that you are our champion, our warrior. But thank you that you are so benevolent and kind. And thank you through the new covenant in Jesus, we have life. And that can't be taken away because it was paid for in full at the cross by our champion who willingly laid down his life because he is the one who it could be said, no greater love is there than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And you did. You laid down your life on that cross for us. We know that you despise the shame but you did it for love and you did it for the joy of bringing many into your kingdom, including all of those who are called by your name that are here. When we come to this table, Lord, let us never forget what you went through, what you suffered, the enemies that you had to face of sin and death, and you conquered them at the cross. And if there's anyone here who's not sure they know you, I pray that they'll be sure, they'll believe in your death and resurrection and trust in the greater David, the King of kings and Lord of lords for their salvation. May you touch those at your table who need a touch. May you assure them of their hope and the goodness and kindness that you've poured out to them in Jesus Christ. May you, Father, be glorified in this church and in all that we do and all that we say. As the elements come out, go, go around, Lord. May you... May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app Search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. 
Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.